And so there's a tendency, I think, to compartmentalize our lives. Say, God, I'm going to give you my spiritual life, but my relationships, my language, my work life, my finances, my emotions, that has nothing to do with this. Jesus actually told the disciples the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. So what he was saying is we're supposed to give all of us to God, not just parts of us. And he says love your neighbor as yourself. So that means you're supposed to give your relationships to God. When you love God, you can love your neighbor. When you love your neighbor, you can love yourself. So we're talking about relationships and we're talking about emotions. And so in this series, we've been talking about emotions And we've been kind of digging deep because God wants you to be emotionally healthy. He doesn't just want you to be spiritually healthy, whatever that means. He wants you to be emotionally healthy. We don't talk about emotions enough here at church. A lot of you know the Bible forwards and backwards, but you're an emotional mess. You haven't learned to give your emotions over to God, and so we've started doing that in this series. And In fact, I want to show, I've got a screenshot of a a resource that we have. If you go to our emotions page at PursueGod.org, we have an entire category page at PursueGod.org where you can find today's message and last week's message and hundreds of other topics on how to be emotionally healthy because God doesn't just care about your spiritual life, he cares about your emotional life. God can make you healthy and whole. He wants to make you healthy and whole. And we're not just talking about people who can get over-emotional. Some of you are emotionally unhealthy because you are under-emotional. Emotional health is more than what you think. It's, just, it's not just that I don't cry. I'm a real man. I don't cry. Well, Jesus cried. So I don't know what you're going to do with that. But a real man cry, we're talking about that next week, is dealing with grief and sadness. And so some of you, are, some of you need to control, learn to control your emotions because you're over-emotional. Some of you need to learn to express your emotions because you're under-emotional, and we've got resources for that. These messages are great, but the, the whole point to any of these sermons is to trigger conversations for you. We want you to go home. Parents, we want you to use those resources to talk with your kids. Talk with your kids about their emotions. Your kids have emotions and they don't know what to do with it. Your kids have thoughts and feelings going on in here and in here, in your heart, in, in their heads. And they, don't, they want to talk about it and you, I'm sure, want to talk with them about it, but you don't know what to say. That's why we've got resources at PursueGod.org. There's hundreds of conversation starters to help you talk about all kinds of emotions. You do, not, you do not have to be an expert. You do not have to be a counselor. So we don't just believe in small groups, but we believe in families talking about it. If you need a mentor, if you're a couple that needs a marriage mentoring couple, see Pastor John. He can connect you with someone. These aren't professional mentors. They're regular people just like you who go through things just like you do. And so sermons are great, but real life change happens when you connect with someone and you talk about it. So again, use that emotions category to start doing that. And if you need someone to connect to, we can help you with that. Use your, your, your welcome card today for that. Okay, so enough about that. Today, in week three, we're talking about fear and anxiety. Today, we're going to talk with you about how to overcome your fear mindset. Now, maybe you haven't ever heard about a mindset of fear. The truth is, like we're learning about in this whole series, emotions are neutral Emotions aren't good or bad, they're neutral. God gave you emotions. Having an emotion is not the thing. 
Whatever emotion it is, sometimes we think of our emotions in buckets. Here's a, here's a good bucket, happiness. And here's a bad bucket, fear, anxiety, anger, grief. Those aren't bad. Emotions are neutral. Emotions are something that we all experience. God gave us emotions. He didn't make us bad. He didn't make us evil. He made us good. And your emotions, there's a reason for every single emotion that you can experience. There's a good reason for every single emotion you experience. The problem is sometimes in your emotions, you respond in a sinful way. So the way you respond to your emotions can be good or bad. But your emotions themselves are neutral. And so last week we talked about how you could be sinful in your response to anger or how you can be godly in your response to anger. This week we're going to talk about fear, how you can be sinful in your response to fear or you can be godly and God-honoring in your response to fear. Some of you might say fear is always bad. How could fear ever be a good thing? Well, if you're taking a walk, if you're taking a hike through the mountains of beautiful Utah and a bear came across your path, If you didn't feel fear, there's something wrong with you. And I know you, you, maybe you're just like, I know I can outrun the person I'm hiking with. And that might be true. But that person's feeling fear then. See, fear, God gave us fear to alert us when, when there's danger, to alert us when there's something wrong. So fear is a good thing. Fear is an appropriate thing. I live next to an airfield and people every Saturday jump out of planes. That's just dumb. We were not built to jump out of perfectly good planes. So I, you know, for me, I, I said to Tracy the other day, we were taking a walk and I, we were looking at these people falling out of the sky. We're like, Would you, is that on your bucket list? Are you going to ever do that? She's like, nope, I'm good. I'm good. So some of you might have some fear that is normal and right and good. But the problem comes in when it turns into a mindset of fear. A mindset of fear is where everything you experience goes through this grid of fear and anxiety. That is controlling. That's when fear controls you. Some of you are here today and you would say, that sounds like me. I have a mindset of fear. I am dominated by fear. Everything that I go through in my life, I'm putting it through this grid of fear. Some of you have been dealing this, with this for, since, you were, since you can remember. Some of you young people, some of you college students, you know, Tracy and I have been doing some research on this. Uh, anxiety is an epidemic in our culture today. It is, it is I mean, it was my, my culture, my, my age range, like we all experienced a little bit of fear And I knew some people who had anxiety. Today, if you, are, if you are not experiencing anxiety as a college student, you are in the vast minority. Because, because young people today have anxiety in record levels, and we're not really sure why that is, but I do think it has something to do with media and something to do with our, our culture and the way we, we connect with one another. But there's, no, there's not real deep connections. There's not real connections happening. I think it has something to do with trying to control your image in so, on social media. I think it's something to do with trying to look good. I think it has something to do with all this, all this input that you're getting as a young person from everyone else. Everyone else seems to be doing just fine. What's wrong with me? No, everyone else is messed up too. You're good. So this mindset of fear is just pervasive in our culture today. And we're going to talk about, we're going to get into God's word and see what it has to do what it has to say about it. But I want to start with my own 
story on this just real briefly. You know, uh, last year if I tried to preach this sermon, I don't think I could have. I mean, I could have preached it and I could have read scripture from it, but I wouldn't have connected with it because I never, I've never in my whole life, I've never really been real self-aware of my own fear and anxiety. Some of you might, would, might say, that's me. Yeah, this message isn't for me. Well, no, it, it's more for you than you think. So pay attention, because I would have said that for the first 47 years of my life. I don't have a fear issue. I don't have anxiety issues. And earlier this year, I experienced what, what I think was a panic attack. And I, I had an unbelievable amount of irrational fear in my life for a, for a solid week. It was so bad that I, Saturday night, I was scheduled to preach at our Brigham City campus, and I actually had to, had to text our pastor there, and I said, you need, to be, you need to be ready to preach tomorrow because I don't know if I can do it. I was gripped with anxiety and fear. I, could, I couldn't read. I couldn't pray. I couldn't watch TV. I couldn't listen to music. I could, all I could do that Saturday, kind of at the peak of this, I, I just I sat there on my couch with my head in my hands almost the entire day and I, and I just was saying to Tracy, I don't know what is going on. I don't know what, the, I don't know what I'm feeling right now. I, I can't even put my finger on it. And as I explained it to her, as I articulated it to her, she's like, well, well Brian, that's, that's anxiety. You're, 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 you're having a panic attack. You're experiencing anxiety. I'm like, I, well, if this is what anxiety is, I don't like it. I could not function. It was absolutely life-controlling. Now, my, my wife over the years has have, had, had seasons in her life where she would just say to me, Brian, I feel anxious. I don't know what it is. I just feel anxious right now, and I'd pray with her, and, and I couldn't relate to it. I didn't know what she even meant by that. Our daughter, who's in college now, she deals with anxiety. She started having anxiety when she was um, in junior high, high school. She didn't share it with us at first. And thank God my wife continued to talk and draw it out. Some of you young people know what, we're, what I'm talking about right now, this anxiety, and it's life controlling. But I had never understood it. But I understand it now. It was a mindset of fear, and I almost couldn't function. And today I want to just, I wanna, if you're there, if you, if you can relate at all, and I know many of you can, some of you can't, but you should still pay attention because it might happen to you like it happened to me. I want to show you what God's word has to say about how to handle that emotion of fear and anxiety because fear is not bad, but when it becomes a mindset, I want you to hear this, when it becomes a mindset, it's bad. When it becomes the grid through which you see life, then it becomes bad. And so I want to see what God says about it. Number one, fight fear. And this seems so simple and so obvious, but fight fear by getting closer to God. The more you practice the presence of God, the less you notice the presence of fear in your life. Now, I know that sounds, that sounds like a Sunday school answer. That's what I'd be saying right now if I was sitting there. Oh, that's so dumb. Fight fear by getting... I thought you were going to give us some real advice here. I thought you were going to tell us something re, no practical, something that I could really do. Look what it says in Isaiah chapter 41. It, this was written in a time in a culture when wherever you lived, whatever city you lived in, whatever town you lived in, you were in constant fear of the next invading army. 
I'm reading a book right now on Genghis Khan, and it's so interesting in, in the 1200s, just the culture that they lived in, in Asia and in Europe, and the Mongols were, a, were an absolute force. They ended up controlling the entire known world at the time, and people lived in fear of the Mongols. In fact, if you were in Europe at that time, you, the, your priests would tell you the Mongols were demons, and they lived in absolute fear. And so I can, relate, I can relate to Isaiah 41 where it says this in verse 5. The lands beyond the sea watch in fear. Remote lands tremble and mobilize for war. Always ready for war. And look at what it says in verse 6. The idol makers encourage one another saying, be strong. The idol makers are encouraging one another. Because what people do is when you're experiencing fear or anxiety, whether it was 3,000 years ago or whether it's today, when you experience fear and anxiety, you try to turn to something that will alleviate your fears. Now, we're not dumb like these people 3,000 years ago. We're not going to do what they did and we make little idols out of wood or out of gold. It says in verse 7, the carver encourages the goldsmith and the molder helps at the anvil. Good, they say. It's coming along fine. We're building our little idols. We're going to turn to these idols and we're going to say, please don't let the Mongols conquer us. And look at what it says in, at the end of verse 7. Carefully they join the parts together like Legos, building their little Lego idols. And they fasten the thing in place so it won't fall over. You see what that is right there? That's called smack talk. Smack talk is biblical. It's right there. They fasten the little idol together, hoping that it won't fall over? He's, he's trying to point out how futile it is to build a little idol of stone or of, of silver and pray to that thing and say, help me, I need help, I need something to turn to. But in your life, what is it you've fastened together? What have you cobbled together? What is it that you turn to in your fear or in your anxiety? Is it a relationship? Is it a bottle? Is it work harder? That's what I did, I worked harder. Tracy said, I, I always had anxiety, but I never knew it because I just put my head down and worked harder until I couldn't anymore. What do you turn to? What's your little idol that you're fastening together so it won't fall over? And let's, look at what it says in verse 8. But as for you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, my chosen one, now he turns to believers. And he says, as for you, don't do it like that. Don't, don't respond to your anxiety like, like pagans do. He says, as for you who are descended from Abraham, my friend. I love it. God says, Abraham's my friend. Your forefather's my friend. You don't have to turn to those useless idols in your life. He says, I have called you back from the ends of the earth, saying, you are my servant, for I've chosen you and will not throw you away. And I'll put this next verse on the screen. Verse 10, it says this. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. There's his answer. Don't be discouraged, because I am your God. Not this... Not this little useless, worthless idol that has a hard time standing on its own. I'm your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. If you're struggling with fear and anxiety in your life, I want to challenge you today. You have to learn to draw closer to God in your anxiety. When I went through my thing earlier this year, all I could do was press in harder to God and say, God, I don't get it. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why I'm feeling this way. I can't control this. I can't do this anymore. 
My response was to turn to God. Some of you have been turning to everything but God. I'm not saying you shouldn't read a self-help book. I'm not saying you shouldn't go to a doctor. You might need medication. But God is your answer. You have to draw closer to God. I think probably I've had some of the, some of the best times of prayer in the last six months that I've had in a couple of decades. Because in this anxiety, in this fear, I've turned to God. I admit when, my kid, when our kids come to us and they have an issue and they have a problem and they say, Dad, I don't know what to do here. Mom, I don't know what to do here. I admit my first, my first instinct is I want to give you a list of things that you can do that you need to do to take this problem into your own hands that you need to do to fix this. And some time ago, Tracy and I just had to repent of that. And we've had to tell our kids turn to God in this. My daughter's in college, and, and that first year of college was hard. It was so hard for us trying to honor God, and, and it was, she had so much anxiety in her life, and we're trying to give her all this great counsel. And I'm not, Good counsel is really good and helpful, but the best counsel we've given either one of our kids is, look, you need to, you need to let God lead you through this thing. The presence of God is the point God uses whatever it is in your life, anxiety or whatever other struggle or trial in your life. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to call you his friend. He wants it to draw you into a deeper relationship with him. That's the point. So don't just try to fix it. Go to God and say, God, I need you. I want you. God, you're in control, not me. Seek God. The more you practice his presence, the the more you'll experience the consequences of your fear. Here's the second thing. God replaces fear with peace. The Bible calls this shalom. It's a Hebrew word. The word shalom is the word that we would translate peace, but it goes so much deeper than this feeling of security that we think of in our culture when we think of peace. I mean, in our, for our lives, we're always trying to secure ourselves against the what if around the corner. Have you ever noticed that? And so many commercials these days, you know, life insurance commercials, Visa card commercials. It's all about getting you to be afraid of something so that you'll buy their product. This will ensure that your future will be fine. This will, be, will ensure that your kids will be fine in the future. Because we play this what-if game with ourselves all the time. Well, what if this happens? Oh, i got to get that now. What if this happens? Well, i got to get that now. What if this happens? But Jesus offers this thing called shalom, this this peace that goes beyond just security. It's actually this, it's it's more of a whole life kind of thing that Jesus talks about. In John 14, in verse 1, he's talking to his disciples, and it was right after he washed their feet, and that freaked them out. He, He washed their feet, they're like, wait, you're not supposed to be doing this, you're a master. You're not supposed to be washing the feet. You're going to be the king someday. He's like, no, I'm going to be your servants, and you need to be servants too. And in essence, he said, oh, and I'm going to die on the cross, and one of you is going to betray me. And it freaked him out. And he could tell. He was more like my wife than me. He could see it. He could read it in their faces. And so he says in chapter 14, verse 1, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. 
I can see you're worried right now. Don't let your hearts be troubled. He says, trust in God and trust in me. And then he says this a little bit later on in verse 27. I'll put this up on the screen. He says this, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace that I give is the gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. I think some of you need to underline not just the word peace and write in shalom. That's the word there. He's talking about shalom, this, this Hebrew concept of peace that was so much deeper than what we think of when we think of security. He's talking about, no, 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 I'm talking about like real peace, like peace that passes understanding, this, this otherworldly shalom, this peace that comes from God. He calls it the peace of mind and heart, this calming peace of mind and heart. It doesn't mean that your situation's changed at all. It just means that you're good. Wait, hold on a second. God's in control, I'm not. God is sovereign, I'm not. And he says that this peace, here's the thing I would underline, he says it twice, it's a gift. Did you see that? It's a gift. The opposite of anxiety is the gift of peace. Let me say that again, because some some of you are like me, where in your fear, in your anxiety, you're pressing in harder, you're trying to figure it out, you're trying to work it out, you're trying to overcome it, you're trying to find this peace, you're trying to, trying to, you're trying to regain control, whatever it is. And you need to hear this, and I needed to hear this six months ago. The thing that you need, listen, the thing that you need is a gift. It's a gift. And Jesus is the one who can give the gift. That's why you need to seek him. If you've never tried this in your anxiety and in your fear, maybe this is the prayer you need to start praying. Write this verse down and pray this verse. God, I'm praying you. I'm praying to you for this gift. God, please give me the gift of peace. Only you can give the gift. I need you to give me the gift. I need you to give me peace. I need you to replace this anxiety and this fear that I'm experiencing, this fear that's become a mindset in my life, this fear that's become a grid through which I see the world, only you can give me this gift, and God, I'm asking you for the gift, and then you need to just wait and receive it. This is one of the things that my daughter's learning as she's working through. She's a college student like many of you in here today, as she's working through some of her own anxiety, as she's just been learning to let that draw her closer in to God. And also she does more puzzles. And so those are the two those are the two things that she's been doing. And she's been learning to press in and say, God, I just, I need you to give me the gift. And mom and dad are learning to not try to control it either. We're not going to try to fix it for her either because we can't give her the gift. Only Jesus can give her the gift. Some of you need that gift today. Here's the third thing. God's love overcomes our fears. Because before we finish today, I just need to address this this one fear that is actually good and right, but you need to know what to do with it, and it's the fear of eternal judgment. In 1 John, Jesus was talking to, or John was talking to followers of Jesus, and he said, he, he said I know that some of, you, some of you are experiencing fear because you know that, that death is around the corner, which means the judgment of God is right around the corner, and by the way, that's true. The judgment of God is right around the corner for all of us. And in the context of that idea and that thought, and that is a scary thing, 
to think that I'm going to have to stand before God someday to see if I can enter into heaven. And look at what, look at what John says in 1 John. He, he writes this. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. If you're here today and you say, I have experienced some fear about my eternity. I have experienced some fear about what's going to happen to me when I die. That is a good thing because that will lead you to Christ. The perfect love that John is talking about here is the love of Jesus. It's not the love of your spouse. It's not the love of your mommy. It's the love of Jesus. And what he's saying is this. The perfect love of Jesus drives out fear. And here's what he means. Jesus went to the cross and he died on the cross for our sins so that if we would put our faith in him, if we would trust in him and not try to fix it ourselves, the Bible says, then we would be saved. That perfect love allows us to not be afraid about what's around the corner when we die. If you're here today and you've never received that perfect love of Jesus, you've never experienced the perfect love of Jesus, you've never responded to that gift that Jesus offers, that gift of forgiveness of sins, if you're here today and that's part of the fear equation for you, that one we can take care of today. Because the Bible says that if you respond to him in faith, then you will be saved. I want everyone to just bow right now, bow their heads and close their eyes. And if you're here today and you would say, you know what, that's me. Nobody's looking around. Everybody's heads are bowed. Everybody's eyes are closed. If you're here today and you would say, that's me. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen to me. And part of my fear equation is, is the fear of the afterlife, fear of the judgment. I don't know if I'm good enough for God. I, I want you to know today, Jesus is good enough. And his perfect life and his perfect sacrifice can stand in the place for you and for me. But your response is faith. And you need to turn to him in faith and say, God, I want that. And if that's you today, would you, just, would you just slip up your hand as an indication that you want to respond to that? Nobody's looking. This is just between you and God. And I see some hands up, and that's good. You can put your hands down once you put your hands up. And now I want you to pray this prayer. I want everyone to pray this prayer in your heart. I want you to pray this prayer. And if you pray it in faith, the Bible says that that you will be saved, and I want you to pray this. Lord Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner. Just pray that in your heart. I recognize that I'm broken and that I need you. And today, Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice on the cross, and I receive your gift of salvation, and I throw off my fears and anxieties for what's next after this life. Thank you for your gift. Thank you for salvation in Jesus' name. Amen.